Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, part of Locked On Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Matt Moore, Nuggets Insider for 104.3 The Fan Denver, and Senior NBA Writer for the Action Network. Thanks for making this a part of your weekend, although I'm pretty sure you're pretty pissed off right now because Denver got absolutely waxed in L.A. They got absolutely demolished by the Clippers. It was a beatdown. It was a smothering. It was a destruction. It was whatever word you want to use. The Clippers won 132 to 103. It was not that close. It was an absolute destruction. They went up by 10 in the first quarter. They played even in the second. They outscored them by uh, nine in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter was mostly garbage time. We will talk about in this episode, we'll talk about why this happened and what it means. We're going to go through a number of subjects. I got a bunch of stuff to say. So uh, let's just go ahead and get right down to it. Um, Does this game mean anything? The answer is yes. Okay, that means one, the season series is tied 1-1. Going back, they will play in middle of March in Denver. I'm sure no one will pay attention to that one, and Denver will probably win that one. Um, It also means that the Clippers' A game is so high that Denver is going to have to meet them there. A Anything less than an A-grade effort, and the Nuggets will get waxed. The Nuggets gave legitimately a D-grade effort tonight. It was a D-grade performance. Malone called them soft post-game, which is a trope, which is not necessarily helpful or useful or really anything but unuseful in today's vernacular. But he did it. Uh, he said they weren't prepared to play. The The Clippers played like it meant something, and Denver treated it like another NBA regular season game. I said the same thing without hearing those comments from Malone on the 104.3 The Fan post-game show with Drotar. Um, because it was evident. Like, Denver went into this game and was like, all right, it's like we're just going to play, oh, no. And then they got hit and were not able to recover. Um, It means something because the matchup advantages that I feel Denver has in this matchup, which I think they do, uh, do not matter if the Nuggets' weak points get absolutely exposed the way that they did tonight. And I am talking about Gary Harris. I am talking about Jamal Murray. I am talking about, to a degree, Will Barton. Everyone is really hammering him, and I think it's a little unfair. Um, he did lead the team in turnovers, but most of those I didn't feel were Barton's necessarily fault. I feel like that was the responsibility of other guys. And I thought Jamal Murray, who only had two turnovers, I really want to go back and see. It feels like he had many more. Um, Gary Harris shoots two of six. Jamal Murray shoots five of 12. You're not going to win when that happens. Paul Millsap did not show up in this game. He was 0 of 2 and a minus 13 in 20 minutes. Paul was invisible, and that's almost never the case. Paul's an impact player. Um, so th- did this game matter? Absolutely. Uh, it showed that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Patrick Beverly can apply the kind of pressure which can cause the Nuggets offense to completely melt down. Um, so it matters. This result does matter. There are games that matter, and this one matters more than the Wolves. This game, as much as I hate to say it, this game matters more than the win versus the Bucks on the back-to-back. You're shorthanded. You're going against the, the, the Bucks who know that you're shorthanded, that you got into the hotel at 4 a.m., and you got seven players available. Your win there was the product of them overlooking you. Because in a playoff series, you're getting a much better effort from the Bucks. Winning games like this proves that you're able to meet teams at the apex, not during the normal rhythms. That's the difference. And the Clippers are, were able to time their performance tonight to bring their best game when they felt like they needed to. And until Denver reaches that point, they are going to continue to be written off by the national media. Uh, is this, does this prove the Nuggets cannot win a title? No, this does not prove that at all. Look, 
The Clippers, the Nuggets played great in the first matchup, and the Clippers are going to sit there and they're going to tell you, oh, Paul George didn't play, and that's a big part of it. One player does not determine how a matchup goes, because one player, Paul George didn't win that game for them tonight. They beat the Nuggets across the board, did they not? So it can't just be Paul George. The next game will go different. Like, it will. The Clippers may win that last game. The Clippers may win it decisively, but it won't go like this. Every game is going to be different. And in the playoff series, there are going to be ups and downs. I don't expect the Clippers to sweep the Nuggets, nor do I expect the Nuggets to sweep the Clippers. I still like this matchup for Denver. Like, I had to think about it after the game. I had to sit there and go, okay, do I think that everything I thought about the teams was wrong and that the Clippers are just better? And I don't think so. Uh, the Clippers shot 54% from the field and 46% from three. They were absolutely bombing. Uh, Paul George hit six of eight from downtown. That's an outlier performance. It's one well within the range of what Paul George can do. It's at the very tippy top of the outlier. Like, it's not an outlier. It's at the very tippy top of what Paul George can accomplish. Okay. Uh, Landry Shamit only shot two of seven. That's probably, he's going to shoot better in the next game. Lou Williams shot five of seven. That's probably more normal for him. That's what Lou Williams is going to do. But Lou Williams was also a plus 10. Denver didn't take advantage of him on the defensive end at all. Uh, in the second segment, we'll get into the rotations because in my opinion, the biggest cause of this loss is Michael Malone. And like, look, I, I will get into why, uh, but that's just where I'm at. I don't think that this means that they can't match up. Kawhi played great. Paul George played great. So the Clippers won. Are Kawhi and Paul George going to play great in every single game? Probably not. Are the Nuggets going to try some of the nonsense that they did in this game, like putting Gary Harris on Kawhi Leonard for some unknown reason? No. There was stuff in here that was clearly not... There was stuff that the Nuggets tried in here that was clearly not playoff tactics. I have to be careful here because it sounds like I'm making excuses and basically saying, well, the Nuggets didn't try purposefully. No, they tried. They wanted to win this game. They really like what they wanted to, they, they decided on these matchups and they went forward. But in the series, do I believe Gary Harris will guard Kawhi Leonard, who is like nine inches taller than him? No, I do not. That's not something I believe will happen. Um, so weird stuff happened. The Clippers played awesome. The Nuggets played terrible. Um, are there any bright, Silver linings. Yes, Nikola Jokic was 9 of 13 for 21 points, 9 boards, 2 assists, 3 turnovers on 2 assists, which is an indicative of where the Clippers' defensive effort was on the perimeter, and also the Nuggets' shooting. Uh, one steal for you, for Joker. He was a minus 15 tonight. You're never going to win when uh, against a good team when Joker's minus 15. It ain't going to happen ever, 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 ever. The most you can survive is like a minus six. That's the highest you can get with Joker being in the negative. And you better be playing a really shallow team if that's going to happen. And it better be a, ro- a like a regular season type performance. Otherwise, you are absolutely toast. Um, what's the one guy on the roster I blame the most for in this loss? Um, Barton got some garbage time buckets. I will admit that. I thought, though, that Will at least was still trying to get to the rim and play with some composure. I think it's Jamal Murray. And I've been harsh on him. Now, look, that's, to me, also indicative of how far Gary Harris has slid in my estimation. Like I've said, like Gary Harris has played better the last couple of games. He really has. He's played pretty well. He was terrible tonight. I'm not surprised he was terrible tonight. It's a terrible matchup for him. Gary will have have more success in other matchups. I like him versus the Rockets, for example, guarding Eric Gordon. Um, I like him versus the the Lakers to a certain degree, guarding Danny Green or Avery Bradley. Um, but Murray in this one, if you can't create per- perimeter penetration versus the Clippers, if you can't handle your dribble, you're doomed. You are doomed because your offense isn't going anywhere. 
He wasn't able to get the ball where it needed to go. He wasn't able to create the shots that he needed to create. He only took three three-pointers. It's not going to get it done. Um, I expect more from Jamal Murray because the Nuggets expect more from Jamal Murray. And look, Gary Harris, as much as I like the guy, hasn't played great basketball in two years. Jamal Murray has. That's the expectation for Murray. And he's going to have to be great in this matchup if they're going to have a chance. So that's a big part of, of how this thing shakes out. Um, the bench was rotten. Just absolutely rotten up and down. And that you're not going to win, then that happens. I talked a lot about in the last episode how the bench unit won its minutes. They got absolutely trounced tonight. They let the lead slip. They lost the rope. You can't have that. Like, they let go of the rope twice defensively. The bench unit is not good enough for them to do that. And they have got to play better. And there's got to be a reevaluation of the kind of talent and who is on the bench rotation and what they bring to the table. We'll talk about that more in the second segment when we come back. Locked on Nuggets after the Nuggets get absolutely boat raced by the Clippers in Staples Center by like 30 points. So Malone's going to make uh, Malone's going to throw shade in his next postgame presser about the nugget, the narratives around the Nuggets. He's pretty frustrated with how people talk about him because the national media dismisses them and only focuses on when Jokic is fat. And the local media harps and picks on small things instead of admiring how good they've been. Um, And the reason for that is because the NBA season does not afford that. Because if you don't win the title, then you're a loser and a fraud. That's how it goes. Michael Malone has won more games in every single season than he did the year before in his tenure with the Denver Nuggets. He is one of the best coaches in franchise history, without a doubt. He has led them to the playoffs. They are going to make it again consecutive seasons, which hasn't happened since 2013. Uh, he has shepherded a young team and brought them into a winning environment with a guy, bunch of guys that are under 25. Uh, he has managed to develop guys while also instilling principles. He has changed the culture. I have said and written thousands of words about how great Michael Malone is. And he will still feel that I am in all ways unqualified to criticize him because I don't know coaching. I haven't been there. I'm not in the locker room, etc. And some of that stuff he's completely right about, but my job is to go ahead and appraise the performances. And I got to tell you, this one's on him. Uh, when the nuggets come out and they're not prepared, that's a reflection of the coach and whether it was him harping too much or harping, not enough, whatever the, the delicate, wavelength he needed to find to get this team ready he did not he didn't correct things quickly enough uh 
the starters didn't play well. The Clipper starters played great. When you're in a situation in which you're up against it and you realize, uh-oh, the other team has a gear tonight, you have to be able to find other ways to win. And the way to do that is to break their rhythm and shift the momentum, and you're going to have to do that with your bench players, which is why playing Michael Porter Jr. four minutes until garbage time is absolutely insane. I asked Malone. I gave him an out. I asked Malone before play resumed after the All-Star break. If the playoff started tomorrow, is Michael Porter Jr. in the rotation? If he's healthy? And if not, what does it look like in two months for him? And Malone told me, on record, he's going to be in the playoff rotation. He's going to play minutes in the playoffs. After he only played less than 10 minutes in the first two games after the break, he said, I got to find Michael Porter Jr. more minutes. We thought he'd fixed it when he came out and he played 29 or whatever uh, versus the Pistons and had a good game. Thought it, He let him play through his mistakes in that. Malone's got to take the training wheels off the kid. It's time. Because the only way that they're going to get out of the second round, the only way the Denver Nuggets are going to get out of the second round of the NBA playoffs is if Michael Porter Jr. is a national NBA storyline for his play in a good way. That is the only path. There is not another one. Gary Harris is not going to go nuts and go off and start scoring 30 points a night. Will Barton is not going back to the guy that he was in November. As good as that was and as important it is to remember what Will did for this team, he can still be good in the playoffs. He is not going back to that. The only way they are going to get there is if MPJ's natural talent is giving them the minutes. If the kid was a disaster defensively, and don't get me wrong, he screws up a lot. I'm the kind of guy that says you can't play him. He's just too mistake prone. You're going to get killed. You can't afford those minus 10 runs. I would be saying that. You don't have him with him. He gives enough physical effort. He's long enough, tall enough, rebounds well enough, and honestly gives good enough defensive effort. Are you going to screw up some? Yes. Are you going to give up some buckets? Yeah. But you're doing that anyway because you're giving up too much size in your backcourt with Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and Torrey Craig flat out has not been good defensively this season. There are matchups where Torrey needs to play. And I understand the impulse to be like, let's see what he can do versus this team. Right? Like He had Torrey out there a lot tonight, and he was guarding Kawhi more than Jeremy Grant was when Jeremy Grant did a great job in the first matchup. Okay? I get wanting to see what Torrey can do. But at some point, there's got to be recognition, this is getting away from us, and we got to get back into this. I need quick points. And you're never going to score in those lineups with play with Plumlee and Craig. The spacing is too bunched. The lane is too clogged. You are not, you don't have the shooters. You are not going to get back into it. And for him to not play MPJ in a short term, long term, whatever con- construct was a mistake. I can't come out of any other conclusion because, like, I have watched Gary Harris's entire career. I have watched Will Barton's entire career. I've been doing this 12 years. I feel confident. The biggest thing I argue with fans about is my recognition of who these guys have been for their careers versus who they've been for their teams. I argue with Portland fans more about this than anyone because I've seen Enos Canner before he got to Portland. I saw Rodney Hood before he got to Portland. I saw Carmelo Anthony before he got to Portland. I saw Yusuf Nurkic before he got to Portland. Okay, I've seen these guys, but I've also seen all these guys in Denver, and I've seen how good they are, and I'm telling you, you still are going to need MPJ. And it's not that I don't think Torrey Craig provides something. In a Houston series, Torrey Craig's got to play, and he's got to play heavy minutes. That's a great matchup for him. There are matchups where Torrey Craig can be effective, and you can handle the defense. 
But this was not one of them. And not being willing to counter with MPJ, I thought was a crucial mistake. And put them in another bind where, again, if the bench gets slaughtered, you are doomed. The Nuggets ran roughshod over the Clippers in the first matchup in part because the Clippers started breaking their offense to target Michael Porter Jr. on switches with Lou Williams, and Lou went two for six in that situation. That's, I don't know what else to say. Until MPJ shows considerably, consistently in a game atmosphere that he cannot stay on the floor, you have to enable him because he is your best path to victory over teams that have more talent than you, and the Clippers have more talent than the Nuggets. Now look, maybe MPJ just shows a complete lack of understanding of concepts in practice. Maybe he's been in a mood or his attitude has been bad. There are things that happen in locker rooms and on team planes and in conversations that I'm not privy to and will never be privy to. And I respect the fact that of, I respect that I know what I don't know. I know my unknowns. However, at the end of it, one of the re- things that Malone is always kind of harping on is you're going to have to look at the results. Like, why don't you get off my back? Look at the results. And the results are good, and they've beaten a lot of good teams. But there's a level higher. Everyone in Denver wants them to get to that higher level. It's great they beat the Bucks on the back-to-back. It's great they beat Utah twice in a week. It's great that they matched up better with Houston this season. Uh, it's great that they beat the Lakers, even though LeBron James didn't play. It's great... Um, that they've got gotten so many wins. They beat the Celtics when a bunch of guys were out. Um, it's great that they beat the Sixers when uh, one of the two was out. Simmons, I think. Um, those losses count. Or those wins count. Those, those count. And, like, Malone's entire arc... Malone's a great coach, but they're not going to win unless he is able to balance and sometimes recognize that his best pass forward is going to be a defensively questionable lineup playing great defense instead of an offensively questionable lineup trying to play great offense. It's not going to happen. I have come around on this thinking. It is what is going to have to happen. All right, when we come back, we will wrap up with some final thoughts about this matchup, what it means, and where the Nuggets go from here. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. segment on Locked On Nuggets. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nuggets. Also follow the entire Locked On NBA universe at Locked On NBA Net. You can find them on Instagram, Facebook, all over. It's awesome stuff. You're going to love it. You're an NBA fan. You're listening to this. You want to be hearing about what the other teams are saying. Maybe not Locked On Clippers. Maybe avoid that one for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, check out all of that great stuff. Okay, so final segment here. Um, some quotes coming out of the locker room. Basically, after the game, the coaches didn't really talk. The players talked. Barton talked. Um, Monte Morris said this was the whooping that they, they needed to understand that they need to be better. Um, I don't know how much of that I believe, and I don't know how much of that matters, and I don't know how much of that is really convincing to me. Because the, the reason I say that is they can know that they've got to be better, but there are certain things that are not going to change. They're still going to be short. They're still going to be un- undersized. Um, they're still not going to have great shooters because Gary Harris has fallen off a cliff in that regard. Like he needs to be back up to a 40% shooter immediately 
or they're going to be in trouble. Like they don't have the shooting. They just don't have it. Um, that's not to say again, like I think the Nuggets can still win the title. Can and will are very different, but I've seen enough NBA seasons now to be able to determine between there is no chance in hell Denver is ever winning a title this year and this season where I'm like, it could happen. It's probably not gonna, but it could happen. The most likely scenario is that the Nuggets are going to lose in the second round, whether it's to the Lakers because their schedule is tough and they wind up in the 4-5, or whether it's to the Clippers because the Clippers have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and they can have games like tonight and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, the Nuggets do not have very many you, nothing you can do about it games. I do will say this. I like the Nuggets' chances of being able to adapt over a seven-game series. Um, they'll find different ways, but one of the things that's going to be very important is they are going to have to be flexible in what they do. Um, and that's rotations. That's how things are managed. That's like There's a number of things there. Um, I don't know that, that Craig can be in this series. I think he can play in the Rockets one. I think he can play in the Lakers one. I think he can play, uh, definitely can play in the Utah one. I don't necessarily think that Craig belongs in this matchup. You're going to have to have shooting. You're going to have to have offensive firepower. And that's why, honestly, like the fall of Jordan McRae out of the rotation entirely and his like just generally being mad at the trade is really bad for them because they needed somebody they could do what Jordan McRae does. Um, I also will just go ahead and say this because I'm this guy. I don't understand why Kata Base Diop is not is inactive. Now, that's got nothing to do with tonight. Okay, Malone's got the nine-man rotation. I've talked about the nine-man rotation. But we had the nine-man rotation, and all of a sudden Tory Craig's back in it. If you're gonna throw Tory Craig in there, Kata Base Diop needs to be split in those minutes. Let's see which one of them can play better, because Kata Base Diop is a 33% shooter from the outside, and he's athletic. And he's 6'8. That would have helped more than Tory Craig tonight. Again, not Torrey Craig's fault. There are matchups where I really like him. This is not one of them. You can't put him on guys that are bigger than him. He has to be able to bully a guy. You either got to bully him or he's got to be playing a guy that's much bigger and playing him in the post. Those are the two situations you want Torrey Craig. This is not one of them. Um, Malone obviously feels differently. Look, the Nuggets will go on from here. They have more games to play. The season is not over. Uh, They are going to disappear from the entire context of the league. Those of you that take a lot of time and frustration about how the national media discusses them, you're going to be frustrated. Okay, Simmons and Rosillo are going to tear them apart the next on Sunday. That's happening. Simmons and Rosillo are going to tear them apart and basically say that that game is proof that they can't contend. Okay, they had uh, the idea going in, and this game confirmed it. And those and honestly, the, those assessments are reasonable. That's not a bad take. Like, there are other guys that are going to do that. Like, Ben Golliver's probably going to dismiss them, too. Um, all the national shows are going to write off the Nuggets after this performance. Okay? This is what happened versus Golden State last year. Golden State didn't win the title because things happen. Right? Um, doesn't mean it can't, but you just need to be prepared. Don't stress yourself out with it. Don't get wrapped up in what the national media... Because the team is going to do what it's going to do. And either they're going to get it together and they're going to play the best of their ability. And the Nuggets are going to be able to go on a run. Or they're not, and then everything changes this summer. If they go on a run, everything changes this summer. I firmly believe this. I am of the opinion that nothing will be the same this summer. Um, not nothing. Like, much of the rotation, the roster will not look the same. This, to me, is the last run with this squad, based off of my understanding. I could be wrong and things change, but that's my understanding. Um, Denver will go on, and they will play more games. They lost to the Clippers. They play Toronto on Sunday. 
Toronto has not played is on a two game losing streak and is going to be pretty mad. They play Golden State with Steph Curry back on the following Tuesday. They'll probably win that one because the Warriors are terrible. Uh, they play at Charlotte next week. Probably winning that one. Charlotte's terrible. They play at Cleveland. Probably winning that one. The Cavs are terrible. They'll probably lose one of one to Golden State, Cleveland, and Charlotte because they're the Nuggets, and they will lose one of those games. But they've been good versus teams under 500. They're home versus Milwaukee. We'll see where Milwaukee's at in its rest rotation, but they've been pretty good no matter who they rest. Chris Middleton didn't play tonight. They beat the, the Thunder by 41. So that's probably a loss because the Bucks are the best team in the NBA. But the Nuggets will go on, and they'll have good wins and bad wins. And you will be along, and you will watch, and you will find ways to cover this team. And that's going to have to be your enjoyment. And you should fret about the playoffs because every team is good. Houston should be worried but excited. The Clippers should be worried but excited. The Lakers should be worried but excited. Everybody has an opportunity. It's going to depend on matchups. I am not sold that this game determines what the matchups are. I might be wrong. Like, I'm open to that. Maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I just think that too much of... I think too little of the Clippers and think too much of the Nuggets. Maybe I don't understand the gears that both teams can get to in the playoffs, despite having actually watched these teams for as long as I have. But uh, I do know that this is not the end of the season, that there are more games to be played, that there are ways to go forward. Now, I don't buy that like this is going to be the, the turning point for them, because you're going to have to show me. I'm not going to believe anything that they do until they get into the first round and they handle business. That's step one. They need to get into the first round as a two or a three seed and smash whoever they face. That's going to be tough if they're in the 3-6. The 2-7's easier. But if they're in the 3-6, I need to see them smash them. I've said all along, I think Denver can go out in the first round. I think Denver can make the finals. Both these things are, are possible to me. Not to the same degree, but I think both things are possible. And most people will disagree with that, especially after tonight. But I'm not there. The Nuggets had a bad game. They get to have bad games. If the Clippers had lost this game, if the Nuggets had come out and dominated them, there would be a discussion about what do the, the Clippers need to do to find that championship gear? It would not be, clearly the Clippers are not ready to win a title. That's the difference in how we approach things based off of the market. That's just the reality of how the NBA conversation works. But both things were absolutely possible. The Clippers could have came out flat. I've seen teams come out flat for playoff games. I've seen the Nuggets come out flat for playoff games. This stuff happens. Basketball is ephemeral. If you're upset about something, be upset about the rotations, be upset about the lack of size, be upset about Jamal Murray's play, uh, be upset that they didn't give Jokic enough support, be upset about Paul Millsap's performance, although it sounds like he twisted an ankle and was walking pretty gingerly, be upset about the defense. This team's gotten away with bad offensive nights when they play good defense. They couldn't stop anybody. They give up wide open threes. Keep doing that. But the season goes on, and so does this podcast. So we'll talk to you again on Monday on Lockdown Nights.